we hit record this is like for real now yep yep we're live we're playing with live ammo oh man i love to be on liquid plant liquid flannel the uh the famously live broadcast podcast. right yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah liquid planet we're expanding for sure i love it <laughs> seems like we would have gotten could have gone with some other fabrics first, you know, like start small and call it, you know, li- liquid, liquid seersucker. Yeah, man. By the end of this, it's going to be like liquid cashmere. It's right. <laughs> so fresh. We're hitting the, uh, the giant invisible, uh, you know, upgrade button in the sky. Right, just yeah, totally. smashing that shit as hard as we can. Yeah. I mean, we're going to need to upgrade like that if we want, you know, any of the, any of the forever ruling oligarch, oligarch class to to come on the show, you know. Right. We're never, never going to get Kanye West on with flannel. <laughs> Liquid Planet. Liquid Planet sounds pretty good. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. We've been calling it Flannel Nation. Flan- flannel Planet doesn't sound quite as good as Liquid Liquid Planet. Yeah, do you guys have a name for your fans yet? Um, I mean, not really. We kind of call them Liquid or not like we we call them flannel nation but i don't think that we've ever really gotten with with a few notable exceptions we've hardly ever gotten any fan feedback whatsoever i said flannel heads but apparently <laughs> flannel that heads. was uh, that was not that was offensive <laughs> to some people i don't know yeah no i mean that's just how podcasting goes right you're you're putting out these broadcasts that go out into the world it's kind of, you're like, is anybody listening to this? But you see the numbers and you're like, well, somebody's listening to right. this. Yeah. And then you get one thing wrong and suddenly everybody shows up. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I had no idea. Like, yeah. See, we just need to be wrong or that's it. <laughs> I mean, the worst part for me with my podcast is like, I'll, I'll fuck something up on the show and then I'll get a message from somebody that I really respect who is like, Hey, I was listening to your podcast, and my first Ouch. reaction is just like, "Oh God, oh fuck!" Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to respect me, sir. Can you please stop listening to this? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could try being more wrong. I mean, it's worked for the Pod Save America guys for years now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're they're blowing up out there. Yeah, blowing up all of their goodwill among. Everybody except for their diehard fans. Oh my god, did you see uh was it Will Meneker just absolutely rinsed uh John Lovett? Uh, yeah, today, that was pretty on Twitter. Man. I hate it when, you know, the podcast boys fight. Why can't we have, you know, just <laughs> right. coexisting podcasts? Podcast yeah. unity. Bring the podcast together, everybody. Pod- podcast solidarity. Hey, yeah. look! I, I mean, Will Will extended a an olive branch. At least, you know, he said, "I'll apologize if you if you guys just go ahead and endorse Bernie Sanders." And you know, <laughs> one of one of them was like, "Ha ha, that's very funny." But no, that'll never ever happen. <laughs> like you got to meet us halfway. I mean, I don't know that the Pod Save listener base would go for it. <laughs> Did they have yeah. Bernie on the show? They had him on the show, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they've got they've got access to everybody if they want. Them. <laughs> I think they pretty much had every candidate on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah Bernie got the like only a... endorsement that matters, which is you know the MMA fighting DMT tripper <laughs> Joe Rogan. Well, I was just gonna say like Bernie Bernie got a, a, a ton of 
ton of shit from like liberals for going on Joe Rogan, but I didn't see, you know, similar shit coming from leftists for him doing Pod Save America. Maybe it's just because uh, like leftists don't ever listen to Pod Save America, so they didn't even know he did it. <laughs> oh yeah, man, it, we're blowing up his spot. We're gonna get him in trouble now. It's just, it's just people like hate listening to Pod Save, right? People, people <laughs> driving in their cars and hearing one of the guys be like, and, and that's why you know, uh, Obamacare really was like kind of the best health care <laughs> right. we can ever do in this country. <laughs> blood is the, boiling over yeah the the top cause of road rage incidents among leftists <laughs> is hate listening to pod save america <laughs> yeah that's why they have that's why uh, you always see like dsa doing the uh like brake light clinics and stuff they're just like re-ending right. people like crazy <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. From Arlington, Texas, I'm Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my excellent comrade and co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, do you guys have any coronavirus there in in Omaha yet? Oh, Um, you have all of the coronavirus. That's where they took all of the people. Yeah, we we have a bunch of people in quarantine. I I, I think uh, they did a good job. Uh, Nebraska was used as a quarantine back when they did the... uh, the whole uh, Ebola thing, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, they true. did a pretty good job there. <laughs> so uh, we're one of the few places where they send people who have coronavirus, and then they actually like don't just let them wander around. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I saw a story today about I think uh, like a hospital in Washington State um, had to quarantine a bunch of their nurses, but then they had staffing shortages, so they. Just took all the ones who were non-symptomatic and put them back out in the hospital, like on the floor. So, yeah. Can you imagine being the great. guy in the hospital who was like, hey, can you go into the co- coronavirus room and just like tell those nurses to get their asses back on the floor, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that other voice that you hear on the line kind of kind of laughing at, at the coronavirus victim's misfortune. <laughs> uh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> He's a... Uh, uh, he's the host of the Shitpost podcast and also runs Right Wing Watch and a, a friend of Liquid Flannel, who we haven't had uh, for a little while from Washington, D.C. We've got Jared Holt back on the show. Hey, Jared. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure to be back. The yeah, Flannel nice. Nation, the Flannel Gang. Flannel Nation. That's right. Yeah. Taking some, my flannel and tying it around my waist like a, <laughs> a 14-year-old. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's funny, it's, it was kind of warm here today, I think this is like the first time in several months that I'm not actually wearing a flannel while we're doing the show. You know, that's how disease spreads. Not wearing a flannel? Yeah, the flannel is like a protective barrier. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it doubles as a mask, you just tie it around your, your face. <laughs> yeah, because the, cause the virus, you know, it starts coming for you, it sees what you're wearing, and it's like, mm, no thanks, man, I'm right. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think I think really we need to take a note from, um, who's this guy, what's this guy's name, uh, Rick Santelli on CNBC, who was freaking out about 
you know, how much the coronavirus is impacting the stock market, who said, you know, why don't we just get it over with? Let's just give everyone coronavirus. We'll get it. We'll get it done and over with in like a month. He said, cackling while he unscrewed the canisters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're not trapped in he's here the, with me. He's the guy at the end of uh, 12 Monkeys who's like walking through the airport, just like dropping little vials. <laughs> I'm saving the stock market. Look at me. Oh, man. Yeah. Genius I mean, just, just absolutely ghoulish. Just I feel crazy. like if you're going to make a statement like that, you should also have to like disclose your investments at the same time. Uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Like, I, I want to know where his stock is. Yeah. Cash for gold, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's you, been... It's if been the coronavirus spreads, you see, my gold coins will be worth more, you see. <laughs> Actually, no. I heard that, uh, that, that gold is way down right now because all of these investors have, uh, like, started dumping their, uh, their gold reserves uh, onto the market. Um, I think... Because of market fears, because like gold is an internationally traded commodity, and hmm. if international trade is slowing down, then the price drops. So everyone's selling their gold, which is causing the price to drop. So no, they're cashing in to buy uh, food buckets and uh, <laughs> right, eight hundred percent markup hand sanitizer. Right is is Ben Ben Shapiro still selling his food buckets? Oh, I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure, man. Did you see how the many Tim food Pool buckets ones? did you see at Pack? Oh my God! Tim Pool has a food bucket. No, I did not see that. Yeah, man, my Patriots. Does he come with a beanie? Well, that's what—that's the joke I was making. Is like you buy this survival food bucket and then you like crack it open. The world is on fire outside, and it's just like twelve vacuum sealed beanies inside. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> see, I was—I was picturing a—I was picturing a food bucket with like a beanie pulled over the top of it to keep everything like sealed in. And so you open it up and it's just like it's all rotten and like dried out. That that would be more along the lines of what I would expect from Tim. You pull the beanie off and it's like the mainstream media is lying to you. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I think people are like dying. <laughs> Yeah, it's been pretty grim out there with the Dow was down another, like, thousand points today. I don't know, man. I, I don't have investments. I don't make yeah, that much no, money. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't think anybody really under the age of about, like, 40 even cares about this, you know. Uh, it's like, oh, no, my retirement fund. Yeah, no, I because <laughs> I was thinking about it. It's funny you mentioned retirement. We, I was like, do I have anything that touches the stock market and then... I looked at my retirement and I was like, huh, well, this is, that's kind of a bummer for this thing I'll never be able to use. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, I guess you're not going to retire next year like you thought, man. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real bummer. Sorry my, about it. My 401k is going to be utterly useless when the, when the ecosystem completely collapses and everybody's like, you know, fighting on the, fighting on the planes with spears again for, uh, for food to take home to the campfire. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I only get paid in food buckets. Who's right. the smart guy now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the real joke, man, is, uh, you know, we're saving up for retirement or whatever. And then, you know, when the demons are at the gate, you think, you know, the Infowars store is going to care about your IRA? Like, <laughs> right. fuck no, man. <laughs> you better have bullets. <laughs> Children. <Yep. laughs> Yeah, urban chickens. That's the new. Uh, it's the new survival. Just start doing it, everybody. Yeah, 
Yeah, you should. <laughs> so Urban I want to hear more about what they do with these quarantine people when they get to Nebraska. Uh, well, some of them hang out at a summer camp that's not being used right now. And then some of them also just like hang out in the wing of like the University of Nebraska medical center and get tested three times a day or whatever. Oh, so, so that's do. where all the tests are going. <laughs> yeah, we're hoarding the tests. You can't have them. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was like a Mississippi or something. The governor was tweeting like, we've tested almost 17 people. So reports that we've not tested anybody are totally false. <laughs> that's meanwhile, all the meanwhile in, in Nebraska, some nurse is just trying to like walk through this university and just keeps tripping over boxes of tests. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get these get these people out of quarantine. We need more places for the for the for, to store all the testing. I mean, but we can't have them going to like Washington State. Like, I, I hear the nurses up there are like licking the tests before they administer them to people, just to like get them warmed up, get them lubed up. You know, is that real? No. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm yeah, sorry. we have people I don't, from, I don't mean uh, to insult any any uh, Washington State nurses who. Uh, I mean, that's a major demo for us. That, that was just a yeah. joke. <laughs> you can see the listener like uh, stat <laughs> <Right>. breakdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't do you don't do demographic surveys for your for your show. You don't pass out a survey every couple of months and have people list you know occupation and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, we're selling all your data on this show, for sure. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it's all about income. And then, you know, once a month, I call up people that make above a certain amount, and I go, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if you make six figures, you can uh, you can support the premium tier. Yeah, it's just it's just a couple of bucks a month. You can afford it. I have the information right here. Please help me. I'm looking me. at my, your bank my, account. My family is dying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I guess while we're on the on the topic of your program, Jared, you had a you had kind of a fun little adventure over the past uh, week or two, um, attending the what is it, the Conservative Political Action Conference? Is it what CPAC yeah, stands for? Yeah, man. There's uh, no place on earth like it, and that is really wonderful. You know? Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> blessing for the rest of the world. <laughs> it is just a fucking circus, man. It's yeah. yeah. It's uh, imagine three days hanging out at this like dystopian convention center slash resort on the outskirts of DC. Uh, yeah, like where every, I mean that sounds awful just on its own. Where like a cup of the shittiest coffee you've had is like five bucks, and <laughs> right. you know the coolest part is like walking down the hallway and you know talking to Sebastian Gorka while he calls you a cuck and a libtard. <laughs> Did you run into did you run into the good doctor? Oh yeah, man. He uh he told me he had never heard of my publication and that it was a waste of time talking to me and I was like, damn. <laughs> wow. Now I heard he's owned by he, Sebastian Gorka. He's feuding with the uh, InfoWars now. They're in a they're in a little fight, I guess. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So uh some of the InfoWars guys they didn't get press credentials because, you know, they're not a news outlet um (laughs) but anyone is allowed to show up to cpac and buy like a a ticket in basically and like you're allowed to have the ticket until you cause problems so (laughs) 
they went in and they bought tickets for their crew and then they just like started like parading around filming people and doing ambush interviews with people anyway great uh, so they didn't last very long there but i guess <laughs> i guess they uh tried to like flash interview sebastian gorka and he was like get out of my face you know like, <laughs> just like gorka was just like not having it and then uh you know when Infowars got kicked out. He was like, Infowars is pathetic. They should have never been there. They're not a news organization. And then, you know, the only people that are fans of Dr. G are like MAGA poisoned dipshits who like, oh, yeah, who care what like some Budapest Empire, like warlord who served in the Trump administration for like 10 days cares about things. Like, like yeah, <laughs> I'm just there for the voice. It's great. <laughs> I think he should, yeah, he should start doing voice acting work. It's it's fantastic. He needs to be in the next Bond movie. Or a, or a plus size hat model. <laughs> Man, he's a, is, it, is it as big as it appears on television? Is his head, is that is that thing like really the size of a watermelon like it looks in all the pictures? Yeah, uh, the guy is just massive. That's wild. Was he the one who put you on blast on... On Twitter, I, I think I saw a, a tweet from one of these uh, sort of MAGA-affiliated, uh, like, tastemakers that was like, you know, I can't believe that, you know, like, this this conservative news outlet wasn't granted credentials to come to CPAC, but Jared Holt from Right Wing Watch was like, what the hell is happening here? Like, this, <laughs> this conference is a joke. I don't know, man. A lot of people have that complaint, and it happens every year. <laughs> And I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, I work for a news organization that has, like, a considerable audience. Yeah. This is my beat. And right. I follow all the rules, and I'm a little good boy angel while I'm at CPAC, you know? I, <laughs> right. So, I, I like, yeah, they let me in again. Yeah. yeah. And they don't no, let I you in because you show up and you just embarrass the shit out of them. Yeah. <laughs> I think their position of, like, letting journalists in uh, is, is very risky. And uh, I'm not sure how much longer they're going to continue it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it really says less about CPAC that I'm getting a credential in as, like, somebody who is, uh, you know, pretty open about being, like, an adversarial reporter there. Um, you know, like, you know, I go to this thing to like write bad things about it, basically. Right. Uh, like hey, my- they, they've, they've got them. They've got themselves in a bit of a bind, though, right? Because they're the ones who are absolutely dedicated to, you know, free speech policies. Like every event should be open to everybody. Right. Yeah. And they like being the center of attention. So, you know, CPAC yeah. is just, like, outstandingly easy to get credentialed into. There's, like, YouTubers with, like, 20,000 followers with press badges on. Yeah. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and every year they credential in this, like, eight-year-old who's like, I'm the... His whole thing is just, like, I'm the baby journalist. And it's like... <laughs> just oh, man. So, so fucking ridiculous, dude. It's just this child <laughs> back there in the press pit that's like... I love the president, sir. <laughs> but but like it, it says less that they credential me in because they're just like credentialing pretty much everybody with an audience who can like follow the rules. Yeah. And it says more about CPAC at like who they choose not to even like give the chance to behave. They're just like, right. no, 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 no. You're 
Laura Loomer, I'm absolutely not. You can buy a ticket, but we're not letting you back here to fucking bother people. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. I mean, it's it's probably a smart move on their part, though. I mean, because because I mean, like with Infowars, I mean, Laura Loomer was Infowars for a while, right? But um, yeah, for a know, while, like like they've got the track record that they absolutely are not interested in, you know, following any kind of rules whatsoever. But you've been going for a while, right? I mean, is it is it worse than it used to be, or are they trying to tighten it up because they're under you know increased scrutiny? <laughs> They've been trying to to tighten up the press situation uh, last couple of years, um, and a lot of that is just because when Trump rolled on the scene and when CPAC essentially was transforming into this uh, like quasi. Trump rally. Uh, it used to be, you know, where like the libertarians would show up and like debate free market values, and you'd hear about like gold prices in Jerusalem and shit from like the main right. stage. And <laughs> now it's just like a fucking three day long Trump rally. And with that came all the like, I'm a social media, like, I'm a citizen journalist and I love the president. And it's like, like that weird kind of style of yeah, you've got those like hashtag Keep America Great uh, accounts that have like it's just some like cranky old lady from like Arkansas or something who somehow has like one hundred and eighteen thousand followers on Twitter. Right, right. So all these people are like, I am the media now, and right. so let me in your press pit for free, please. So I think a lot <laughs> of it has been like trying to mitigate that a little bit and make sure that. The media row is, uh, you know, for reporters only. But really, the the real uh, change that's happened with the credentialing is uh, there's no coffee in the press pit anymore, which is total bullshit. Boo! Because it's like so expensive, and you have to go wait in line for it. Ridiculous. Cheaping out on the coffee. That's yeah. terrible. Business opportunity, though. Anybody uh, with a with a mobile coffee station, just 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 roll up. Outside. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> just go in through Secret Service with like a fifty yeah. gallon drum of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would trust the CPAC coffee. To be honest, that's it's very brave of you. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what kind of nootropics they've been spiking that shit with. <laughs> I mean, it's all part of the experience. When in Rome, you... <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, I saw a little bit of your commentary. Um, I was pleased to hear that uh, that the sort of the the general tenor of the commentary about um, whoever might get the um, Democratic uh, Democratic primary nomination um, is actually very balanced. It's very um, you know, it's it's not breathless or panic inducing in any way that they were yeah, it, you know, you know being, it, being very thoughtful sort of commentary about, you know, maybe we can actually work with Joe Biden sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it was uh, really reasonable and, you know, really made me think, you know, that, yeah. you know, I guess I had never really considered that Joseph Biden was, uh, you know, anarchist black block uh, and was going <laughs> to throw a barrel through the window of Foster Free's high rise apartment. I, just, you know, I, I guess I just never thought the guy had it in him. But right, you know, yeah. I, well, that's that's what it takes to win in the in the in the Democrat primary now. You know, Joe Biden's got to be out there in the streets, Antifa, you know, black block uh, bandanas on, just throwing right. a trash can through the window of a Starbucks. <laughs> right. um, 
saying vote a, vote for me he's a secret <laughs> vote secret for uncle sle- joe everyone secret sleeper agent like manchurian candidate uh you know chinese communist um you know marxist lesbian guy um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know bernie got all that shit for you know saying that teaching people how to read in cuba was not a bad thing uh yes. too socialist but, but it was kind of crazy because you know According to the latest, uh, you know, Project Veritas video presented at CPAC, uh, there was a Biden staffer showing a picture of uh, Lenin and pointed to it and said, yeah, that's my dad. And (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's outstanding. Well, um, yeah, plug this while we're while we're on the on the topic, you know, where can people find your. Your dispatches from CPAC, because they were all pretty hilarious. Uh, Rightwingwatch.org is the site. Um, I think I've got like two or three pieces up. I don't know. Time melts and bends. And if you... Right. Just go give me a click, folks. This is like grueling work. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even have to read it, man. Just click it so my boss sees it. And I was like, Lovecraftian, Lovecraftian, like non-Euclidean geometries inside that convention center. (laughs) Time time doesn't follow a linear path. Yeah, by the the time you leave the conference, you're just like, man, I, I just kind of feel like the interior design of this place is like fucking with me man like right. <laughs> your brain just starts going weird places like one it's of those like casinos shiny. where like all of the doors lead you further in and you can't find the exit <laughs> man oh man well okay cool well you know we we kind of segued a little bit uh into you know some of the some of the democratic primary stuff so why don't we take a little break there and when we come back we can pick jared's brain a bit about uh, Super Tuesday, uh, where the progressive movement is headed, uh, you know, just today, uh, we're, we're recording this on March the 5th, um, just today, Liz Warren dropped out, so uh, we've got a, an interesting landscape going forward, so let's take a little break there and we'll come back. Something happening in China. As soon as they saw that happening, they essentially, not from the White House, I mean, you know, we don't need a lab in the White House, but they saw something happening, I was found it very interesting, they spotted something going on in China. When you see these labs that I just saw, and I would love to have them see them if it's possible, but they spotted something going on in China. They started working on it immediately. Well, we're prepared for anything. We're prepared. We are really very highly prepared for anything. And in a short period of time, I mean, what they've done is is very incredible. And I've seen what they've done back there. Uh, It's really incredible. Do you know my uncle? He's a great person. He was at MIT. He taught at MIT for, I think, like a record number of years. He was a great super genius, Dr. John Trump. I like this stuff. I really get it. People are surprised that I understand it. Every one of these doctors said, how do you know so much about this? Maybe I have a natural ability. Maybe I should have done that instead of working. We're breaking away from regular programming just for a second to introduce uh, a new, what are we going to call it, Brendan? A gimmick? A new... A new bit. Yeah, a new mini-segment. A new mini-segment on the show um, that we're going to call Katie Has Questions. Um, Brendan and I are friends with with a person named Katie who is recently finding her way sort of out of the Republican woods into the golden valleys of, you know, thinking about things from a leftist perspective. But she's not super familiar with 
all of the terms that we use. So every once in a while, I'll just say, uh, Katie has questions and needs, you know, one of, some of these basics explained. And so that's what we're going to do now. Um, yeah, Katie, the terminally online amongst us uh, yeah. can can easily forget how difficult it is to, to keep up with uh, the inside baseball of terminology and uh, history and events. It, yeah. it becomes like that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where that guy just talks in like memes about uh, his culture and no one oh, else right. can the, understand uh, uh, him. Darmak Dar- 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 and Jalad at Tanagra sort yeah, of stuff. Where, where it's he's like, just that, saying like... That has a lot of meaning for him, not so much for the people <laughs> listening who don't speak that language. So totally. welcome to our new segment, Darmark at Talaj, Dead and <laughs> This is Katie Has Questions. Uh, Katie asks, what is the mention of brunch all the time in, in a sort of snide way, LOL? <laughs> Which oh. I, I think is great. Yes, because we do we do make fun of brunch or people talking about brunch a lot. As this has nothing to do with the the meal itself. You know, well, I like a I like an eggs Benedict as much as anybody else. And like maybe brunch a is the bit. one that brunch is the one that you get to drink at, right? You get a Bloody Mary, a mimosa, something. I like think that. Bre- there's breakfast cocktail. There's layers here. There's a lot of there's a lot of deep meaning. Um, but okay. The, the, uh, uh, primary meaning. The the basic setup is that I, I do you know specifically who it was that has has generated this this brunch controversy? I, I believe this person may be forgotten to the ages of time, but uh, well, it was it was a number of people. It kind of happened simultaneously around the women's march just after the Trump inauguration. Ah, it was and the sign. And there were there were a number of people who were carrying signs that said, "If Hillary had won, we'd be at brunch right now," um, which uh, that does sound like a very comforting sort of thing. Uh, the left has taken that as um, you know, as, as the the meme has kind of evolved, the left thinks of that sort of sentiment as being it's a very privileged one right it's like if hillary had been elected we wouldn't have to be worrying about politics and a lot of the problems that we're talking about under donald trump would still be problems we just would be able to ignore them yeah it's a it's a statement of basically saying like politics is actually terrible and you shouldn't want to participate in it <laughs> right um which is is not a healthy goal for your political movement is to right. like not do politics at all anymore because yeah. or or that like politics may be terrible but they're not so terrible for me that i couldn't be ignoring them right now if you know um, so it comes off as a very uh very selfish thing you know a lot of people are fighting for you know issues like providing everybody in the country health care not just the people who don't have to worry about their health care because they have the money to go to brunch on a Sunday instead of right. like working a second job. Yeah. And I think a lot of other people were then started to chime in and say like, to you, like brunch on a Sunday means like I'm relaxing and like having a great time and like without a care in the world. But for me, brunch on a Sunday, like means I'm getting up at four and like working a double shift at the yep. fucking diner to serve you brunch where you can also say like, is this fresh squeezed? Like 
it says fresh squeezed on the menu right. and I don't right. this doesn't taste like fresh squeezed to me. <laughs> and so that kind of mentality uh yeah. was brought up as well to say, yeah. hey, w- think about what you're actually what you're actually saying when you when you say I'd rather be at brunch right now versus having to fight for all these minorities' rights, like what a pain in the butt, <laughs> right? And and when a show like ours invokes the whole brunch meme, it's usually in response to you know there was a, a tweet that went kind of viral today, kind of viral in a bad way, um, where someone was saying like I just want to get back to. Uh, you know, I need a president in office who I can just like ignore the news, never have to think about, you know, I'll just trust that they're doing the right thing. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's it's usually in response to something like that. So so that's that's the brunch mean. Um, yeah. I hope we, we all understand brunch now. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, so- I, I will maintain that, you know, everybody ought to have. You know, the freedom to go to brunch. Because brunch is nice. I like the meal. Yeah, that's just because you don't eat breakfast. That's true. You, yeah, you no, just, it's the meal of rich people and also those who don't wake up before 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real, it's the horseshoe theory of, of meals. <laughs> so this has been our first installment of Katie Has Questions. Uh, Katie, I hope that answered your question. We'll explain horseshoe theory next time. (laughs) Stay tuned, everyone. The Democratic primary isn't the only primary going on. There's also a Republican primary. That's true. Trump's hitting the campaign trail with a a Fox News town hall. Adversarial uh, audience. Right. Really, really tough questioning. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I mean, those people on Fox do not like him. Well, it's, and we all know that it's going to be a, you know, a hotly contested uh, primary there. So, you know, he's really got to he's really got to have his A game. You know, some states are, are shutting down the Republican primaries just because, you know, we don't No one wants to see that kind of division, man. It's, <laughs> right. it's, too, it's too hotly contested. Maybe, maybe they'll just hate Joe Walsh yeah, that much. I think Bill Weld got like <laughs> one delegate out of one of the states. They can't have that yeah. happen again. Yeah, they're going to throw him into a volcano <laughs> after after the election. <laughs> He he says on his town hall, I was all set for Bernie because I thought it was going to happen. You know, we get ready for things, right? So mentally, I'm all set for Bernie. Communist. I had everything down. <laughs> had it all. <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know. And now he's just got to throw that material away now. Because, oh, wait, unless. Actually, I have a crazy idea. <laughs> we could just mm. We could just mm. do the same attacks no matter who. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if that's one thing being at CPAC taught me, it's like, oh, no, they, like, are serious. They they will call, like, literally anyone a communist. Oh, like, sure. Like, you hear that, and you're like, oh, of course they're going to do it. It seems almost just, like, beyond debating whether it's real or not. Like, in the back of my head, I guess, I was just like, well, they're not really going to do that. Like, people aren't going to, like, really fall for that. And then this year at CPAC, I was just like... Oh shit! They're really gonna do it, huh? Yeah, they they gobble that shit up. Absolutely. <laughs> the, I mean, they um, they call Nancy Pelosi like a Marxist communist, which is, I mean, that's just bonkers. That's just I, I that's mean, just fundamentally not knowing what words mean. I always tell people like I wish I lived in the version of reality that Republicans seem to think is happening in the absolutely. Democratic Party. <laughs> <laughs>
What I love about the, you know, the commentary about Trump, you know, because Trump has had has made a number of of tweets about how talking about how, you know, Bernie, don't let them steal this from yeah. you. Like Bernie, the, the DNC is big Bernie fan. That guy, you've got all of these, um, you know, like vote blue, no matter who types who are like, see, Trump wants to run against Bernie. You know, because he knows that he would beat him. And then on the other side, people going like, no, it's it's reverse psychology. Like he doesn't want to run against Bernie. So he's going to throw in some throw in some support behind Bernie. He actually wants to run against Biden. And I'm looking at it going like, guys, again, we're just giving the man way too much credit. Like, I think he just he sees a thing. He knee jerk reacts to it. And then everybody else kind of fills in the blanks later as to, you know, what. What move in the, you know, 11th dimensional backgammon game, you know, this this utter genius that we have in the in the Oval Office is playing. He just says what's on his mind at the time. There's no strategy. And, There's a, he's not yeah, the fucking chess master. Right. And, and a lot of it's not even like what's on his mind. It's like next time like a major show premieres, whether it's like a new season of The Bachelor or something like that. I want you to go to Twitter and I want you to click the oh. trending topic. And then, like, scroll down for a while and start reading the people that have, like, two retweets or, like, four likes on their tweet. That's, like, what Trump is doing, except that he's, like, president, so people care (laughs) about it. (laughs) He's just watching Fox News, and he's like, oh, they're going to steal it from Bernie. So so dishonest. Am I right, folks? Yeah, totally. It's like, because he's president of the United States, everyone is like, oh, my God, this must be part of a strategy. But Right, yeah. Yeah, when, like, Fox News doesn't care one way or the other either, you know, the only reason they're reporting on it is because, you know, never pass up an opportunity to make the DNC look bad. Right. So if if there's rumblings on one side or the other of the of the kind of liberal left debate, you know, about somebody not playing fair, Fox News is going to report on that. And so then Trump, you know, Trump's going to play both sides because Fox News has no real ideological compass other than like everything on the Democrat side is bad. It's also part of a bigger thing that we're going to see this year, which is that Republicans are super, super, super invested this election in trying to suppress turnout on the left. So, you know, if the DNC is going to try to rat fuck Bernie Sanders, which they they did it in 2016, they're going to try to do it again. Uh, You know, why not emphasize that as much as possible to demoralize people who otherwise would want to cause like real change in your country? Yeah. I mean, speaking of uh, suppressing, suppressing turnout among the left, I mean, that's, that's not just a Republican goal right now. Um, uh, I'm I'm not going to say that absolute clusterfuck that was the uh, Super Tuesday primaries in places like Houston, Texas. It, I mean, it, it wasn't the fault of one party or another one. I mean, the it's yes, the Republican legislature has kind of diminished the number of polling places, but the Democrats have not fought back against that. So the fact that you had, you know, seven hour wait times to vote at like Texas Southern University, um, that, you know, everybody's got their hands dirty on that. And, you know, part of that Part of that, you have to look at it and go, well, the DNC wanted Texas to swing for Biden. And, you know, Bernie's centers of support are, I mean, especially in Texas, it's poor people, students and Latinos. And that's where you've seen all of these polling places get shut down. Sort of what's unfortunate that I'm really coming to realize this year 
Exactly. It's big portions of the Democratic Party, who is, you know, ostensibly supposed to be the political party that's like fighting for workers and fighting for immigrants and all that. Like, uh, it, it just seems like a lot of people in the Democratic Party are kind of showing us all that they're like not actually as opposed to this stuff as, you know, they would like you to believe. Right. If the choice is continuing down this path of hell, you know, someone who would call into question like the very purpose of their existence or like force them to get a new job or something. Uh, yeah. Or, or God forbid, have to get off their precious private insurance that apparently like there's this whole class of people that have good insurance uh, that I've never met before. Uh, right. You know, I, <laughs> I, you know, they, they choose the former. People like us don't get to meet those people. They're all, they're all partying on Montauk with fucking Joe Biden's daughter and Tiffany Trump. I mean, don't, don't hate that was real, by the way. That was the that was a picture that came out today. It was Tiffany Trump and Joe Biden's daughter, whose name I don't know, granddaughter maybe. Could Tiffany Biden, I think. It is. Yeah, Tiffany Biden. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It got uh, kind of quiet over there in Nebraska. Uh, is there is there anything you want to tell us, man? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the people who have good insurance are the people who are so rich that they don't actually need good insurance because they could just pay for that shit outright if they if they wanted to. So that's that's just yeah, the that's way true. that it works here here in this country. I, I did think it was very funny that Mike Pence was saying, like, uh, don't worry, your insurance will pay for all the coronavirus testing that you could ever want. And it's like, what if you don't have the insurance? And he's like, this press conference is over. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Does the Homer backing away gif except, like, into an American flag? Yeah. And he kisses it. I mean, you almost expect Mike Pence to just look into the camera and be like, all right, if your net worth is less than six figures, hit mute for a second. And then gives it a second. He's like, we're going to be fine. Don't worry, guys. All right. Yeah, you right. can unmute your TV now. <laughs> well, I mean, when, I mean, Mike Pence is definitely part of that uh, kind of prosperity gospel thing. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it may be like a like a deeply held belief of his that anybody too poor to have health insurance like actually kind of deserves to, you know, get sick and die from the coronavirus because of some moral turpitude in there. You know, God would have blessed them with a, a job that gave them good health insurance. I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, that is not that's that describes a lot of the people in the Trump administration, the, you know, Betsy DeVos clan and, and the Pences and some of these other people like really do have it as a deeply held belief that you know, poor people are, they're not worth helping because they're evil. Well, that and they have this like spiritual cabinet that works with them on Capitol Hill and in the different uh, agencies and in the White House too, that come in and tell them that they're all, they have all been chosen by God to lead the country, right? right. So, it's like, right, right. if somebody blows hot air up your ass enough, eventually, if you're already like rich and egotistical to begin with, to want to pursue that kind of job, and then somebody comes along and tells you that, you know, that Jesus was like, mm, I think this guy, you know, like, right. it, it just warps your whole perspective on the yeah. world. No, I, it, it definitely burns yeah both ways because if you are that deluded to get to that level of society it's a self-reinforcing action because if you become the vice president because you believe that you're anointed by god and then it actually happens then you're like i was right the whole time <laughs> of course of course i am yeah, right. you look up in the sky and you're like dear god thanks bro <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the primary, it's been a rough week, man. Who will Tom Steyer 
endorse. He's he's holding out the endorsement. Why? Why, Tom? Right. Yeah. G- Gabbard right, right. gang, dude. <laughs> I, I'm tired of this Tulsi Gabbard erasure that's happening in the media right now. <laughs> yeah, people keep forgetting we have three candidates right now, folks. Come on. Yeah. Do you think a lot of the Warren voters will go to, to Tulsi as the feminist choice? You know, I haven't seen any of that. <laughs> I haven't seen any... Like, like, hashtag Warren to Tulsi. Yeah, the forgotten voters. I mean, I think a lot of them will go to Biden. I uh, saw, I guess Warren was on Maddow tonight, which I have my own thoughts about Maddow. But uh, I, I guess from oh, oh, spill. from what I Absolutely. saw, she was, uh, you know, going off for like extended amounts of time about Bernie bros on the left. And it's like, dude. Jesus Christ, man. Oh, good Lord. It's just 2016 all over again, man. It's like, uh, yeah. the further this goes on, the more that I tend to think that, like, we didn't actually learn anything after 2016. Oh, I think we've known that, you know, <laughs> since 2016. They've just, they've been using the exact same arguments ever since then. You know, you, you see a lot of people on the left right now saying, like, I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden because I voted for Hillary in 2016, even though she was, like, my far away second choice but i wanted to beat donald trump and i got blamed for the results anyway so like why would i i'm not going to let you just keep grabbing my hand and smacking me in the face with it and going like why do you keep ruining like liberalism (laughs) why why are you ruining the country we would have had like 10 more female drone operators but look what you did instead (laughs) (laughs) right yeah at least when the republicans lost the election they they had that whole uh committee to like assess what they went wrong and like what they could change and build coalitions with hispanics and stuff going forward they threw it all away but at least they tried to to put something together and it was a conscious choice (laughs) to not do it whereas yeah. with this one it just seems like it's reflexive right and it, w- it was kind of amazing when trump came along and it became clear that he was gonna like get the nomination and all that work got trashed but like they were picking up you know these seats in congress like reliably to the degree that they just kind of like kneecapped obama's final time in office like right yeah yeah they did that because republicans understand power in a more practical way than I think the left does. The old saying, Republicans fall in line, uh, Democrats fall in love. We get lofty about ideas, but like Republicans have a better understanding in their base where it's like, listen, maybe this guy is like more extreme than you want, but the point is like that person will get us in the direction we want to go. Right. The left doesn't do that. Uh, and especially there's like a huge swath of the left that seems obsessed with this idea of like being moderate, <laughs> that we're going to like win over Republicans somehow. And I'm just like, dude, you have not seen the Republican Party recently. I don't know <laughs> who. This goes back to something we were mentioning earlier, though. Even that analysis, Jared, and I don't think you're wrong about it uh, by and large, but I think a piece that we're leaving out is it's all based on the assumption that the Democrats actually want to win mm. and like push for, you know, push forward like good policy. Um, when a lot of their jobs actually do kind of rely on being sort of the perpetual resistance, right? That's how it's, it's good fundraising for them every time Donald Trump tweets. But like without him, they would actually have to propose something. Um, they, they seem almost, it, I, I've seen the joke made that they're allergic to power. I don't think they're allergic to power. I think they genuinely just don't care. I don't think they 
they care about taking it. And I'm talking about, you know, the same people that Bernie Sanders talks about when he talks about the Democratic Party establishment. This I'm not talking about moderate voters here. I'm talking about the like very high level consultant class, um, a lot of the kind of professional congressmen and women, um, people whose jobs more or less rely on always being the underdog and never really, you know, being outraged that we can't get anything done. They they don't they wouldn't know what to do. It's like, you know, they they'd be the dog that caught the squirrel. You know, like now what? Right, right, because they have their their hands in too many pockets, right? Like there there's just like too much money and too much corporate power happening that like when they do get power the base just gets furious. I mean, Nancy Pelosi was almost eaten alive by her base. Uh, right. about the impeachment stuff because she just kind of like sat around and did nothing. And then when they did do it, it was just sort of this like weird, almost like half-assed thing that was never going to work. They had captured the entire Congress and the presidency in Obama's first two years. And they kind of sat on their hands. They They did get the ACA put together, but even that got watered down because, you know, who was who was the Senate Majority Leader at that time? Oh, Harry Reid. It is amazing that Nancy, like, she is the same person, and, and Biden as well. I mean, they oversaw taking from the Obama victory and then completely, you know, flopping in every election afterwards in the in the congressional elections. And Nancy Pelosi right. lost her speakership because the Republicans gained a huge majority in the House to block everything that Obama proposed. And in a normal party, when you regain the House, you might say, okay, well. Maybe time for some some fresh blood, you know, time for somebody to energize this party, take it in a new direction. And instead, they just said, like, nope, right back to right back to Nancy and Joe <laughs> uh, yeah. to really energize this because for some reason, they think that an experienced political insider who you know, is not like a super hardcore lefty, they're more of a moderate, they they have some even Republican-y ideas that they're guaranteed to win when it's like that's clearly not the case like we we did that and it failed spectacularly right and so now they're just like nope we're just going to do that again and this time though it's going to cuz now everybody knows you know before they were taking a risk on Trump but now everybody knows that Trump is bad and so they'll make a different choice the next time and i, I just don't see the evidence of that especially if you nominate somebody who's who has all this baggage and who is not going to energize anybody right i mean you got joe biden out there you know his his whole like epiphany speech you know that like once we get trump out of office all of these republican lawmakers are going to have this epiphany and go like oh actually we do want to you know have a hand in leading this country in the right direction it's like i love comprehensive immigration reform now (laughs) what what evidence are you basing this gun control Uh, actually uh it sounds okay Now, now that now that Donald Trump isn't actually holding a gun, a literal gun to my head, like now I can now I can work with the Democrats. My base will love that. Right, right. It's like, listen, we need to come together to to work with Republicans, and then it's like, all right, Democrats are nominating uh, Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court, and uh, this guy is as moderate as they come, you know, right. agreeable guy, and then like <laughs> the Republican Senate is just like, no. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, it's gotten so bad that they're who's who's that gal that they're running in uh, Kentucky? Uh, Amy McGrath against um, against Mitch McConnell, who's like the pro-Trump Democrat. It was like all 
I'll vote with President Trump on even more than Mitch McConnell did. It's like, what the fuck are you hashtag resisting? Yeah, yeah. her opening line of her ad is like, I don't support Medicare for all. And, and that's why right. <laughs> that's why you should vote for me, poor people of Kentucky. That is absolutely going to motivate the, uh, you know, the disenfranchised voters of Kentucky who just fucking hate the Democrats. I, don't, I can't imagine why they do. Well, I, I mean, like if the Democrats and the Republicans were like two people you knew who were in a relationship, 100% it would be an abusive relationship. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> codependent i mean you you almost have to feel bad for both of them except really you just want them to murder suicide and you know clear the way for somebody else right well any more thoughts on the uh on the the primary of course super tuesday wasn't wasn't the blowout that uh bernie sanders fans uh were hoping for however he's still very much in the race that's my personal take on the thing it's gonna be neck and neck i think uh they're still counting uh, delegates in several states, including in California, as like late ballots come in. So uh, we'll have a better sense of that landscape um, going into the March 10th elections um, next week. So if you are a listener and you're in uh, one of those March 10th states, you know, once again, I'll put out a little call to action. Like now's the time to, you know, get the burn app, uh, do some texting, do some do some door knocking. He's definitely not out of it by a long shot, uh, but we've got to be in it to win it. We've got to bring our A game. And the, the good news is that it, it got a lot easier because now you have to just convince people not to support Joe Biden. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so that your job is, is a lot easier. In fact, you could probably just ask him a question like, why do you support Joe Biden? And like, what kind of Joe Biden policies do you support? And they'll probably just come to the realization themselves. <laughs> Without you having to say anything. (laughs) You you can just pull up one of those like YouTube supercuts of like Joe Biden stumbling over himself and just Yeah. You just knock the door and when they open it, you just like hit play on the iPad and you're like (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Guess my take is uh, you know, my personal opinion is uh Bernie Sanders is the real deal. He's like the only candidate that makes sense to me and his vision of like the economy and sort of what the country can become is what makes the most sense but with all that said super tuesday uh it it took a hit uh it was really weird to sort of see the the democrat party machine fire up the way that it did and uh you know kind sort of coalesce around biden but the fact is uh you know what bernie's fighting for and i think like what we're all fighting for and hoping for is something that would fundamentally reimagine like the power structure and uh, the economic incentives in our politics. And when that much power and that much money is on the line, you're going to have to fight like hell to get it. So, uh, you know, that that's sort of my thing is, uh, did you think they were just going to give this shit to us? This right. is time, man. This is, this is the closest we've ever got to anything like this, and I'll be damned if this finishes out and I didn't say that, you know, I kicked and screamed the whole time to to try to get it. Amen. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say Joe Biden is famously, his number one policy is anti-malarkey. Oh, damn. That's compelling platform. <laughs> <laughs> this whole Super Tuesday thing, it was just rife with malarkey because he got all the other people to the last minute endorse him. The reason that he won the election is because he won all the voters 
who decided who they were going to vote for literally like an hour before they went to the polls. And they just saw like, oh, Joe Biden's in the news, so I'm going to vote for him. And so they asked people like, when did you decide to vote? And it was like within the last day or so or a long time ago, it was like within the last day or so was like 50% of the people who were voting for Biden. And so all the support that he has is not like, it's not actually his support. They're not- Going out there saying, I'm supporting Joe Biden because I love Joe Biden. Yeah, these aren't people who are like knocking doors for him or anything. Yeah, these aren't Joe Biden hardcore supporters. They're just people who are like, oh, I guess I didn't really know who to vote for. And it it seemed like Biden was uh, doing real great. So I just praised Biden. That's not an unbeatable candidate. (laughs) It's it's just not. And I also think like we underestimate the amount of people that go cast ballots of like who they think is going to win, not like (laughs) Who they support all the way. Right, yeah. You want to be on the winning side, for sure. That's why Gabbard Gang 2020, that is it's the fucking motto right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're the true the true voters. All right, fellas. I think that's about enough malarkey from us also on the primaries. Um, again, encourage everybody who wants Bernie Sanders to win to, you know, really get your head in the game. We're going gotta to make this happen. Like Jared says, you know. We gotta we gotta fight this through, you know, all twelve rounds. So let's uh let's take a little break there, and when we come back, we'll uh we'll give you our high notes from the week. You know, it's been a bit of a disappointing week, but I bet we can find some things to to bring it back up. Bernie, my poor Bernie, ah oh, Bernie, I give you Bernie Sanders. Bernie, come back. Colleges and universities, tuition-free, the top one-tenth of one percent in this country hold almost as much wealth as about 90%. I love you too! My high note this week is directly related to the uh, Democratic Party primary. With all of the the chatter about abusive Bernie bros online and how toxic the discourse has gotten and, you know, seeing people saying, you know, I, I could never vote for Bernie Sanders, even if, you know, even if he does end up being the nominee, just because people have been rude to me online, which, okay, look, we can talk about how that's like a, an incredibly privileged place to when, approach it. When will Bernie denounce his strongest supporter, Donald Trump? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I want to hear it, Bernie. Yeah. When, when will when will Bernie, you know, petition the, the Unicode um, advisory board to get rid of the snake emoji? That kind of shit, you know. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's actually been very encouraging to me that today on the day that Elizabeth Warren dropped out, You've you've had a bunch of people who were Warren supporters making sort of coming out posts and saying, look, I'm heartbroken that Liz is no longer in the race. But the important thing to me is the progressive values that she was espousing and wanted to push for. And for my money, the only candidate who's left in the race who really wants to do that kind of thing is Bernie Sanders. And so you've seen a lot of like hashtag, you know, Warren to Bernie sort of people coming out and contrary to the uh the kind of conventional wisdom about how bernie fans are online just a massive outpouring of positivity for these people it really seems like 
you know, people are trying to be on their best behavior. You see, you know, someone will make one of these posts and it'll just be, they're getting ratioed uh, in a way that I've never seen on Twitter before, where like somebody may, may or may not have liked the post, but the comment that they made um, creating the ratio uh, is like, welcome aboard. That's awesome. You're the best sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, so the positive ratio, yeah, the, the, the rare positive ratio. So that's that's been really encouraging to me. I hope that we can keep that kind of momentum up because uh, I, I do think that there is uh, is or has been a bit of a problem with building a broader coalition. You know, it's been a it's been a really hotly contested primary, and that's how a primary works. Uh, people people go all in for their candidates, you know, but now that the, now that the candidates have had to consolidate, you know, around basically two very distinct visions for where the country is headed, you know, after 2020, um, I, I think that the, uh, I think the bros, I think the Bernie broads, the, uh, the Bernie Blatinos, um, whatever you got out there, um, are, are actually doing a really good job of like welcoming people into this coalition and trying to do a little bit more of that, that positive outreach that I think has been going on the whole time, but has not really been reported on. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if any of the news organizations that have reported on toxic Bernie bro behavior, um, change their tune in any way, or at least drop that fucking narrative. Yeah. Jared, have you considered pivoting to Bernie bro watch? Pretty like a sister watch. publication. <laughs> you know, uh, I I feel like every other major news organization has, for some reason, dedicated somebody to this beat already. So <laughs> right. uh, I'll let them keep it. But no, that's that's a high note for me, and I just want to tell all of my all of my fellow Bernie supporters out there, like, keep up the good work. Like, that's that's another way that we're going to win this thing. Of course, Twitter isn't real life, but. You know, especially when it comes to like, like big influencers online and stuff like it will every little bit helps, you know, every little bit of positivity you can put out there, you know, frame the differences between the candidates in terms of substantive policy and likelihood to beat Donald Trump. That's that's the strategy going forward. Um, Bernie is far and away the best candidate on both of those metrics. And you can say all of those things without being. I mean, I'm not saying don't be strident, but you don't have to be caustic, you know. So, so that's been that's been really nice uh, to see today, and that's that's my high note. So, just to be clear, I should not be responding to Warren supporters with Goatsy. Is that? Um, I mean, read the room first. I would say, oh, you know, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> just make sure you include this man needs health care. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is on the comment. This, this is a shot of a man who was who was dying of colorectal cancer, who was not able to afford uh, health insurance on the ACA exchanges. You know, like will you will you vote for him and his family? <laughs> Fighting for the forgotten men and women of of our memes. <laughs> Hashtag not me, Goatsy. <laughs> I'm not going to use that. Dedicated to to the brave posters of something right, awful. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, sp well, speaking of, uh, this is the perfect transition uh, for my high notes. So uh, as as loyal listeners to the show know, uh, I run a Dungeons and Dragons game and 
one of the best things about Dungeons and Dragons is you can get your friends to just do the stupidest shit possible <laughs> by just making it happen within Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And so in our last session, I didn't know how this would go. So I said, here's what we're going to do. Uh, it's the town's having its, its fall festival. And one of the events is the Battle of the Bards. Mm. So what we did is we did a little improv comedy exercise where I was like, name out some D&D monsters and we made a little list and then we were like, name out some some adjectives and stuff and we rolled some dice and, and paired yeah. it up. I need a place. Um, Winterfell. I need, I, yeah. I need an occupation. Uh, like half elf the thief. <laughs> <laughs> and so and then they got assigned their little, uh, you know, their little song titles and then you had to write a song. Uh, they had to, had to write a song nice. for the Battle of the Bards. Uh, and here is the winning entry uh, entitled The Squatting Banshee. <laughs> uh, when you hear a shriek in the night, my friends don't take fright. She's merely taking a wipe. It's the cry of the squatting banshee. (laughs) (laughs) Though you may shake when you hear, for her screams sound so clear and near. But my friend, you needn't fear. It's just the wail of the squatting banshee. She's been stuck on the pot so long she's starting to rot. But beware or you'll be caught with the rest of the lot by the stench of the squatting banshee. One more. One oh, more. Oh, one more stanza. This is, well, no, this is another song. Oh, okay. This is, this is The Running Slime, which, again, as a randomly generated title, I thought it was perfect because yeah. it's a pun. The title is already a pun. Okay. The slime came running, running, running down the hall. It was large and slow and lumbering and really no threat at all. And when I finally met it face to face, I struck with all my might. And now it's slowly digesting me completely out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is so terrific. So D&D. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was great. I, I didn't know how it would go, but they were like, no, we need more time. <laughs> 15 minutes was not enough. I got to do some more some more verses. Oh, that's great. Uh, any, of the, any of the winners, people who are like, uh, like pals of our show? Oh uh, yeah, I mean uh, our our friend our friend Cal, uh, our friend our friend Steve. Sure. Um, it was great. It was a great time. Nice. Yeah, that's terrific. Great high note. Yeah, those are really good. I, I want to hear the highlight. Of I want to hear squatting banshee set to music. I'm going to get my ukulele out in a little bit and practice my minor key uh, chords. Try to try to set that yeah. to some music. It deserves it. It's a it's a work of yeah, art. Yeah, it really is good for sure. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, they perfectly encaptured like what a D and D like bard tavern drinking song oh, would be with yeah. that one. It was great. <laughs> Super cool. Oh, uh, that's fun, Brennan. That's that's nice to take us out of take us out of politics a little bit. Yeah, it's called poetry. Um, yeah, that's right. You should try it sometime, yeah. everybody. That's, that's what that's what a liberal arts education will get you, folks. <laughs> When we need to we need to fund education under Bernie Sanders so that you know we can we can create more great cultural uh, works of art <laughs> like this. <laughs> well, that that leaves us with just one. So, uh, Jared, yeah, what what do you think? What's what's been bringing you joy um, the last the last little while here? Um, I've been getting into cycling. That's fun. Nice uh, when it's not freezing fucking cold. Um, but I guess my high note would just be anything that David Roth writes. 
uh, David Roth <laughs> was one of the editors of Deadspin that, uh, you know, was there when the site went down finally. And, you know, as much as it sucks that he doesn't have full-time employment with Deadspin anymore. Um, oh, this is this is not the Val Halen, the Van Halen guy? <laughs> no, not no, no, David <laughs> Lee Roth, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, as much as it sucks that he doesn't have full-time employment, uh, recently it, it's kind of like David Roth Unchained, uh, and his writings have just been like really poignant and incredible and I swear to God, everything that guy writes is magic. Uh, oh, he's he's an absolute wordsmith, especially when it comes to insults. I mean, just some of the most creative, uh, invective I've ever read yeah. in my life. Yeah, Someone should give that guy a popular website to write on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I've just been uh, enjoying going through the David Roth catalog and, and reading his stuff. Well, David, we know that you're a listener, and you're always welcome as a as a part time contributor on on Liquid Flannel. <laughs> as long as you sing, jump <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, Jerry, do you have do you have a line to David? You should tell him to to come on the show sometime. <laughs> I I can DM him. Hell yeah. Let's <laughs> be like, uh, hi, excuse me. Uh, we've never talked before, but you do follow me. Um, first, I love you too. Have you heard of this podcast? <laughs> I heard. I heard you recently have a lot of time on your hands. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, we we get a lot of mileage out of out of uh, like journalist types who are kind of between engagements, right? I mean, that's how we got Jordan Yule on the show like three times in a month or something. I think Jordan's employed now, though. Yeah, yeah. During the coronavirus quarantine, uh, come on, liquid <laughs> right, flannel. Totally, <laughs> it's it's the perfect way to pass the time. Invest in podcasts, everybody. They're going through the roof. That's right. With this quarantine, yeah. I mean, the the pretty much the only, uh, uh, like the only market segment that actually just has everybody sitting in their own bedroom, um, and still creating a lot of value. So, yeah. Man, I saw the, there was a great uh, CNN piece where they had they interviewed the CEO of Campbell's Soup, uh, and he talked about how he loved the virus because people are buying Campbell's Soup like crazy. <laughs> um, so he's yeah he's a big fan is, of the of the viruses out there. Some real, Have you seen what a can of soup costs nowadays? Right. <laughs> so I, I I'm not a big soup guy, but last time I was in the grocery store. I, didn't realize a can of Campbell's was like three fucking dollars now. This is the coronavirus tax, man. That's I, only because it's popular. Yeah. They just jack up those prices, you know. I don't know, man. I just feel like growing up, I always thought like a can of soup was what, like a buck? Yeah. Six, six out, of, out of control. Something. Totally. Yeah. I thought it was like a packet of Kool-Aid. It was like 15 cents. Like, that's why I the only soup I get is ramen, the real soup. Of the working people. <laughs> right. None of that soup that, with water in it. I, I thought you were no, no. The, the only soup that you got was Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you mix the ramen and the Kool-Aid, it's a whole... Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then <laughs> if you get one of those little molds, you can make like ramen Kool-Aid uh, popsicles. Yeah. Um. <laughs> For those for those cold, cold winter winter days. <laughs> All right, we're going off the rails. Let's uh, let's wrap up there, Jared Holt. As always, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for joining us. No, 
it's always good time yeah yeah um I, I think we're I think we've got you talked into maybe sticking around for a bonus episode for a little while but on the on the public episode you know please go ahead and plug where people can find your work if they want to know more about what you do uh yeah rightwingwatch.org is the website i'm on twitter at jared l holt um i've got a podcast it's called shit posts and i think that's it i think that's all i got it's that's a lot though because uh right wing watch is great you're a great twitter follow and um you know that the podcast must be good because i went on it one time so yeah yeah we talked about drugs that's right (laughs) cool and uh yeah if you want to find out more about liquid flannel uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at liquid underscore flannel. And I mentioned our bonus episodes uh, just a moment ago. If you want access to those, we do have a Patreon. We we don't really have a tier. It's just whatever you feel like giving us. The minimum dollar amount is a buck. So if you want to give us a buck a month, you get like lots of bonus episodes with, uh, you know, usually with the cool people that we bring on the show. So check us out at uh, patreon.com slash liquid flannel pod. And the hosts, I am Matthew Hodges. I'm on Twitter at MattTheGweight with a W. And Brendan Williams is also on Twitter. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And I think that'll that'll be it for us, everybody. Um, stay safe out there. Make sure you're washing your hands. Um, you don't have to risk coronavirus to make texts for Bernie. So, you know, keep that in mind. Bye.